Hi folks, Nathan here again with The Frontline. We are looking at a few things, but also uh, catching up here after the holidays, as well as looking forward to Capitol Day. Um, as you may know, uh, we just had the start of our legislative uh, season this, uh, this last week, and uh, we're getting uh, close to Capitol Day. So uh, we're gonna be jumping right into a few things here to get you up to speed on what's going on here on the front line. So thanks for joining us and let's get started. Welcome to the front line with FPM, where we talk about California politics, homeschool freedom, parental rights, and the family. I'm your host, Nathan Pierce, and thanks for joining us today. Let's jump right in and see what's going on here on the front line. Well, folks, uh, we're going to start today with a scripture verse that uh, is, I think, really important and key in helping us to understand one of the blessings of being able to homeschool with the freedom we have in California. It's John 17, 17. And if you're not familiar with this passage, this is part of the high priestly prayer um, that Jesus uh, is asking his Father in heaven to, to uh, care for his disciples. Uh, he says in verse 17, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And what Jesus is pointing out here is that these men need God's truth to, to grow and to be more like God and to be more like Christ. And so he is asking God to, to grow them in that, to sanctify them and to do this in the truth, in God's truth. And he finalizes it by saying, your word is truth. And we know that today we have his word, the Bible, and that we can also be grateful for that truth in our own lives. Now, in contrast, we know that folks in government would like to be the ones that they themselves would be the masters of truth, would be the ones who tell you what truth is and how it works, and uh, who gets to decide what truth gets told to what people. And this is especially true, as we've known for some years, in the area of education. Uh, just last year, there was a bill introduced to make sure that the, um, the education folks responsible for the curriculum in the public school system here in California would be considering how they might include instruction in curriculum regarding how to determine what is true. And this in the midst of a lot of controversy over social media, general media, <clears throat> mainstream media, whatever type of media you might hear, and what aspects of that are to be believed as truth. So this would be the government deciding not only what is truth, but how to determine that and how to come to a, a learned approach to deciphering what is true and what is not from the perspective of those in the Department of Education. So we can be grateful that stepping back from that, we can look at that bill was specifically targeting public education in California. We can be grateful that that bill does not impact us, but we can also see that that is a direction 
that our society is going. And we can be grateful that we have not only the truth of the gospel, the truth of the Bible, the truth from God in his word, but that we're allowed to use that in our education. And we can't uh, be told that that isn't truth, even though people might tell us that, but we don't have to believe that. We don't have to live with that understanding. And we can, we can live in a way that opposes that, that actually believes and acts like God's word is true. And we can teach our children this, and we can teach our children the hope of the gospel based in God's word, which is truth. So I'm grateful for that. And hopefully you can be too, as we go into 2024 here, I want to sort of remind you of some of the things that we did accomplish in, in 23. Um, we had a number of great successes. You can just go to our bill tracker page on our website, fpmca.org slash bill tracker to look at some of the bills that were proposed, uh, read a little bit about some of the changes we were able to make and how we were able to protect homeschool families from some dangerous threats. Uh, but I want to also go into some of the more detailed things of how we how we dealt with um, some of the changes. How did we affect change? How did we prepare our legislators to hear from us? And what kinds of things do we do that have an impact and that allow us to have uh, an influence in our legislators' uh, decision-making processes? So first, I wanted to point out that in 2023, we had a great Capitol Day in, in January. It was the greatest attended Capitol Day that we've ever had here. Um, in in California, in Sacramento, uh, for, for homeschooling, and I, I'm grateful for that. Uh, we were able to visit all 120 legislators' offices. We had homeschool families meeting face-to-face -face with legislators and their staff. It's a really important way where legislators and their staff can meet homeschool families and understand that uh, we can contribute to society. We're not crazy. We are normal people that uh, are taking advantage of a very... Uh, excellent opportunity, an educational option that provides excellent opportunity for children. And so we, we were able to do that. Uh, we also were able to get some district offices visited. Um, every legislator has an office in the state capitol, but also has an office in their district back home where they, where they represent people. So everywhere in California has a representative representing that location and the people in it. And that location also has a district office. And some, some places it's a little further away from you perhaps, but generally speaking, there's district offices all over the state of California. We were able to visit some of those with specific homeschool information as well. And uh, that's something, that's an area I would like to do better in this next year. In 2024, I would like to have every legislator's district office visited, all 120 of them, have their district offices visited by homeschool families with information on homeschooling. It helps to build a connection with that legislator and their staff in the local district office, but also helps to uh, get our foot in the door in um, building uh, a relationship and helping our people on the ground in that specific area, homeschool families, be ready if there is indeed a battle that they need to take action and meet with their legislator or staff in the local district office 
they already have a foot in the door. They're not coming in cold. So it's really important to be able to do this. This is something that um, has has sort of gone by the wayside over the over the last few years, and we need to bring it back, uh, especially looking at some of the some of the increased scrutiny that homeschooling has been seeing over recent months and years. Okay, so um, I wanna I wanna address one other area, and uh, that is. Uh, the um, the issue of letter delivery. Uh, it's one of the areas that uh, has been extremely impactful in the legislative process is that we are able to write letters. I, I can meet with legislators and staff, um, but, and I can also meet uh, get write letters that help to explain our position about things and help appeal to maybe issues that matter to those legislators and often letters get to where I can't physically go. So legislators might read a letter or be impacted by a letter that I write without me ever being actually in contact face-to-face -face with that legislator. Um, also, certain aides are sometimes inaccessible and I'm able to get a letter to them. Uh, in, in cases like these, they, those letters often end up in committee analyses and sometimes even read in committees and sometimes read uh, on the floor of the chamber. And so letters can really have a significant impact in ways that face-to-face -face meetings can't do. Now, there's an importance to face-to-face -face meetings. Don't get me wrong. There's a place for them. They're very important as well. Uh, but there's also these letters, and sometimes we just uh, haven't been able to uh, get all the letters written, um, make all the arguments uh, make sense for the right people, and uh, and ultimately, we haven't had, uh, in every case, the manpower to deliver letters. Now, we have delivered a number of letters. Um, in fact, this last year, we delivered uh, over 375 letters to legislators' offices on, on legislation. And these letters have been very effective. Some of them have been used uh, over, over the years uh, in, in, a, in a, some incredible ways. And uh, so I'm really grateful for the effect that they've had, and I want to continue on in that. I would like to double the number of letters that we get delivered to the legislature, uh, but that means um, more, more manpower, more ability to get these letters written, as well as uh, getting, getting them actually delivered. I'll be doing a delivery of um, some letters, just introducing um, uh, Capital Day and inviting legislators to participate in various ways with Capital Day um, on Monday. That's a personal letter drop. And we, what the reason that we do that is because it, it has a separate, a different impact if you just mail a letter versus if you hand deliver the letter. So we like to hand deliver the letter. So uh, some of my kids and I will be uh, delivering letters on Monday uh, to every legislator's office. All 120 legislators' offices will receive a, a hand-delivered letter from us on Monday announcing Capital Day. Um, most legislators already know that it's coming, um, but this will be a good reminder for them and also we'll invite them to uh, set up meetings with us and we'll be, we'll be working with those legislators and following up with them over the next week and a half. So um, these, these letters are really valuable. They help build relationship. They help uh, to uh, let them know that we're serious about our freedoms, and they let legislators and their staff know that we're there, we're present, um, we're physically here, and we care enough about our freedoms to to do this in-person letter drop. 
And um, even if we're not meeting with all 120 legislators on Monday, uh, we are able to let them know that we're here, we care, and we're here to stay. So um, I would like to increase uh, the legislators' awareness of us being here by making sure that they they know that we're present, that we're delivering letters, but also our letters individually have impact. Aside from the fact that they build relationship, individual letters on issues, uh, especially when they're delivered before crucial votes, can have a profound impact on our freedoms when those uh, bills go up for a vote that would impact our freedoms. Legislators get those letters and whether it's something that helps them change their mind if they're on the fence, or perhaps it gives them political cover to go in the direction that they already knew they wanted to go but couldn't figure out a politically expedient way to explain the reason for their vote. Uh, we try to tailor letters to legislators so that they can help them uh, help them have political cover. We give them multiple reasons from different angles to help them understand that there's a lot of reasons to vote in our favor. Uh, so, so we try to provide that to them. So that's just a little bit of an update on some of the things that uh, we have done, would like to do um, in, the coming, in the coming year. As you know, last year we had uh, legislation that we were able to affect amendments and change to in the area of uh, uh, the survival of homeschool co-ops. Um, we had legislation that would have impacted uh, not just uh, the vaccine requirements for homeschoolers, but also uh, additional paperwork for homeschool families regarding health uh, issues. And, um, and then we had the, the bill that would have required a social worker be assigned to every Californian at birth. And so um, that bill fortunately was vetoed by the governor after it went all the way through the legislature. So um, these victories are really important and you can read more about those and others on our website at fpmca.org, especially on our um, bill tracker page. So I would encourage you to do that if you're interested in, in learning more about the, the bills that have been attacking us. But I want to get into now some of the attacks that, that we have been dealing with recently. And you've heard over the last uh, number of weeks in our podcast, the addressing of the, Wal uh, the uh, Washington Post um, articles that have been coming out. Uh, one of those articles mentioned a family whose um, son was uh, killed, um, died uh, in California, in Placerville, in that area. Um, and that uh, situation was a family that was involved uh, with um, uh, schools in uh, Michigan and then ultimately ended up moving here to California. Uh, there was, a, there was a, a Washington Post article about that, um, pretty extensive. Um, we've addressed that a little bit. Um, in our past podcasts, I wanted to mention today that um, the in that case, uh, a, a recent article from the Sacramento Bee just a couple of days ago uh, that was published referenced uh, the the father in that scenario was sentenced to prison. Um, in that case, uh, the young boy's name was Roman Lopez. The father was um, sentenced. Uh, the the mother, I believe, was sentenced um, some weeks ago, um, but uh, this this particular article was about the father. There's a, a, a short reference to, um, to homeschooling in this article 
uh, that the SACB ran earlier this week on January 4th. Uh, the article is called California Dad Sentenced for Murdering 11-Year-Old Roman Lopez, Boy Malnourished and Tortured. This was January 4th by the Sacramento Bee. Um, a fair way into the article. A terrible, terrible story. Um, uh, the, the, the Washington Post went into a lot of detail on the story. Um, it's a tragedy. And uh, it's a terrible thing what happened to this young boy. It's it, it's very sickening, and and we wouldn't want uh, any of this kind of thing to to happen to any any child. It's just absolutely appalling. Um, and and so this article is it, it's it's good to see that somebody's being sentenced and this that justice is being served um, as per the. The, the courts that sentenced uh, this father in this case. I wanted to mention that in this article, it does reference uh, homeschooling. Uh, fair way into the article, it says uh, that the grandfather said Piper chose to homeschool his son and moved Roman from state to state, Roman's the son, uh, from state to state to avoid questions about child abuse for school officials and neighbors, from, from school officials and neighbors. Um, so, it's a very brief mention of that. Um, this uh, being in the Sacramento Bee uh, is is indicating that um, it's certainly news that's becoming uh, clearly local. It's in this area that he was sentenced, and um, certainly, uh, certainly, it's an issue that merits our attention, and it's certainly an issue that should should make all of us uh, be concerned for those situations in families where there is this kind of thing going on in our society today. Now, uh, as, as others have pointed out, um, there are people that treat their children badly. Um, there are people that treat their children badly who send their kids to um, public school or private school. Um, there are people who treat their children badly that homeschool. Um, there isn't a statistical basis for saying that uh, one way or the other is there's there's more likelihood of of that kind of abuse, um, but there there is enough there is concern in our society today that these things happen, and we should we should care about these children. We do care about these children, and um, so this is sort of a this is sort of a wake-up call to just remind us to be um, on the lookout to defend those who need protecting and to watch out for those young children that uh, need somebody there for them. And uh, those that, that are in bad situations, if you become aware of that, then um, you, should, you should pursue that and find out, well, what's, what's going on there and who should we notify to protect these children, because um, in in many cases uh, people uh, don't don't report or don't say anything or don't help the family if it looks like they need help. Uh, but this is a situation where we we need to do what we can to help those that are in need and to protect those that need protecting. And um, so I want to um, sort of just encourage you with that to 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 both look out for those that need protecting, but also to recognize that many who look at stories like this don't, don't focus in on protecting children, don't focus in on trying to figure out 
what uh, we need to do to enforce the laws we have, but they look at new policy ideas. They look at, well, what, what can we do to make sure that, um, that we're creating more policies that sort of tighten up and, and, and in some way, somehow, in someone's mind, make it less likely for abuse to happen. And uh, there's abuse all around us. There's evil everywhere. Um, the, the danger is that so much policy would be put into effect that um, there's no hope of enforcing any of these things. And the problem is in our day today that we do, um, we do have a, a sinful world around us and yet more and more policies being put forward means that there's more policies to enforce and our government can't enforce them all. Uh, there, there are some difficulties with, with being able to enforce things and being able to keep evil at bay and to punish evil, which is the biblical uh, thing, uh, the biblical uh, reason for government to exist is to punish evil and, and to reward those who do good. So we need to be about helping those things to happen. We need to be about uh, supporting the government's uh, biblical role. Uh, because God did create that. And uh, yet so many people are trying to sort of distort that by taking away um, that, that idea and saying, well, the, the, biblical, the, role of, the biblical role of government doesn't really do enough. We need to have government do more and we need to have government being contr more controlling and stepping into the sphere of family. And, um, and that's not the direction that that government ought to go. And we need to stand up and say, no, that's not the way it should go. We should be uh, supportive of the government doing what it's supposed to do. And that's uh, ultimately, if you look at this, if this case, these, this, these parents um, in, in this case of Roman Lopez were, were prosecuted. And that is very appropriate. That is the role of government to deal with that. Um, and we need to make sure that more of that happens, that, that when somebody is uh, doing something against the law, it, when somebody is uh, legitimately um, doing evil, that that is brought to the attention of the proper authorities, that that evil is punished. That's the role of government. And um, so to deny that, and in many cases today, um, you see that not pursued. Uh, evil is not pursued and, and, and punished. And, um, and that's a big problem in our society. And so with all that, um, I would just encourage you that um, more and more we have to uh, just continue to press out for and press, press on to, to speak truth to hold to truth and to say, no, we are not going to believe a lie. We are not going to say that good is evil and evil is good. We're going to speak truth as the Bible speaks truth. We know this is God's truth because it's in the Bible and he says it's true. That we can take to the bank. And that's what we should care about protecting when we look at our freedom to homeschool and we recognize we have the right to teach these truths to our children. What's true is true, and what is not true is not true. 
That is something that's under attack in our society. That is something that's under attack in our public school system. And we need to recognize that we have a freedom that we should take seriously and hold dear. If we want to keep that freedom, we have to continue fighting for it. And that brings me to my last point, which is um, we have Capital Day coming up. I hope you can attend. It's going to be an excellent uh, training for building your understanding of how advocacy works in the state of California, how you can have an impact on freedom, but also it is a place where you can be encouraged by our excellent speakers. You can be uh, blessed by fellowship with other families, um, and you can actually make a real impact by simply being there and participating in visiting legislators' office, offices with a team. And we hope that you can make it. If you can't, I understand we uh, have other ways you can get involved, whether it's a local district office visits or perhaps it's giving to allow somebody else to come. So I would encourage you to consider uh, what you could do to participate in Capital Day. It's coming up on the 17th, 18th, and 19th. And uh, we'll be doing training on the 17th, visits on the 18th, and training on how to do advocacy from home and from your district and for the future on the 19th. So um, I would encourage you to participate in that. Also, we have a special event on uh, the 18th in the evening. That's uh, Freedom Night. I would encourage you to come to that. We have some great inspiring speakers for that as well. And uh, following Capital Day this year, Chia of California is hosting a leadership conference on uh, the afternoon, evening of the 19th. So I would encourage you to check that out as well. So with that, I uh, would hope that uh, you have a good week and God bless you. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Frontline with FPM. For more information about the topics we discuss here, check out Family Protection Ministries at fpmca.org and subscribe to our channel.